This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. So excited to bring you today's guest who has been a friend of mine for many years. We met over 20 years ago when I had just moved to New York City. She was a co-worker here at Fox for several years as well before she joined another network for a daytime talk show that you may or may not have heard of called The View. And now she is the host of her new podcast called Megan McCain Has Entered the Chat. And even though she's feisty and has no fear at all, to tell it like it is when it comes to her opinions, she has one of the biggest hearts of any human I have ever met. Megan McCain is here today to talk about how her life has changed the last few years, and I think she's the happiest I have ever seen her. If you've ever had a friend that you know you could call on day or night if you ever needed someone, this lady is one of those people for me and my family. So please welcome the marvelous Megan McCain. Megan McCain, you made the Dean's List. What does that mean? I'm very excited. I never made a Dean's List in my life, so I'm very excited. <laughs> well, I give people the Dean's List because this is the Janice Dean podcast, and you deserve the Dean's List, so you never made a Dean. I never made the Dean's List either. No, I was always like a pretty me- mediocre student, like in general. Like, I mean, the things I was really interested in, I was really interested in, and the things that I was bored with, like calculus, I just <laughs> couldn't care. <laughs> what were your it's f- terrible. What were your favorite <laughs> subjects? I really liked art and English and anything having to do with writing and then shocker, anything having to do with current events. Um, but I actually found my passion for news in college when I interned at Newsweek magazine. Um, and then I was like, oh, this is so much more fun than, you know, whatever astronomy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, and what I mean, your dad, obviously, very politically inclined um, it, and you were very involved, right? You were on the campaign trail with him. Yeah, when I was really young, when I was like, um, gosh, like 12 or 13, my dad ran for president the first time in 2000, which is so long ago. Oh, wow. and, um, my parents actually took me out of school to like experience campaign life with them, which um, I know at the time I missed a lot of school, but it really laid the foundation for my love of politics and like understanding of it. And then he ran for president the second time, um, right when I graduated college. So it was like great timing for me to go and help him. And I was on the road for like almost two years, which is so crazy. And I worked with him on his Senate campaigns and I've actually uh, been, I wouldn't say worked, but I've been like been present on a lot of other presidential campaigns too. And um, I always told my dad, if he didn't want me to end up doing what I do now, then you should not have brought a 12 year old <laughs> on the campaign. It was with his you. fault. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's kind of the reason why people like Sophia Coppola end up being directors. It's like when you're just surrounded by things. Yes. It's like through osmosis, you you sort of like, you know, gain knowledge and insight and passion for it. And that's why I'm always pretty defensive of the Nepo baby criticism, because I'm like, if you're the, if your whole world is one industry and you grow up wanting to be part of that industry, like, you know, there's really, you know, I don't think it's that unusual. Mm-hmm. So I always like try and give a pass to the good old Nepo babies. <laughs> 
Did you did your dad involve you guys in decisions? Like, did you sit down at the dinner table and when he wanted to run for president, did he involve everyone? Yes, there were always long conversations. He actually, I see now um, kind of how unusual it was, how involved we all were, just given that I was like young and, you know, kind of a kid and whatever, but really big major decisions we were all really involved with. Um, and it was more like we would sit like really normal, like sit around the dinner table, uh, you know, sit around the living room, whatever. And uh, he was always very open about the good things and the bad things. And I always really respected one of the things that I've taken from my parenting that I got from my parents was they never talked to me like I was a kid in a way where we were like stupid or too young to understand things. They were always like, leveling up in the sense that like giving us the benefit of the doubt that we we could understand and uh you know handle things like serious things like having conversations about running for president and I try and do that with my children as well. Mm-hmm. I highly recommend it. You know, I you and I have talked. We are very very good friends. We've known each other for a very long time. And there was, you know, a few discussions after um my advocacy about nursing homes in New York state and um, going up against the governor at the time, Andrew Cuomo, people started talking, well, maybe she might be into politics one day as someone who was affected by policy decisions, poor um, p- poor leadership, really. And you and I had the discussion because I, w- I was thinking about it. You know, I-, I thought to myself, why aren't there more people that have been affected by bad policies deciding that they want to run uh, for the little guy, for the ones that don't have a voice? And I talked to my kids and I talked to my husband. My husband was more on board than my children were. They said, you know, mom, I we really don't want to be part of something like that. And I'm so glad I did ask them because it's not saying never. It's just saying not now because I get it. And I think their fear is they're not ones that want to be part of the spotlight. They don't even want to be on Instagram or any social media right uh-huh. now. Um, so you have to kind of respect that. Yeah, I mean, I love that you involved your kids with that conversation. Selfishly, no offense to Theodore and Matthew. Um, I would really like you to run for office at some point. I think it's your destiny. I think you're a natural born leader. I think you've shown yourself to be, you know, just a fighter for people who don't have voices. And I think that's so important in politics. I also love that you're not part of the, you know, like machine or the swamp, so to speak. Like you're not someone who's like, you know, been a bureaucrat on Capitol Hill your whole life. And I think that's so important. So I hope as Matthew and Theodore get a little older, maybe they'll be a little more comfortable because I still think that's your destiny at some point. I don't know when, I don't know how, I don't know where, but I still think that's Well, I know that you'll support me whatever decision I make, but while I was trying to figure that out, you were always there for me. We've known each other for a very long time, uh, probably, what, like over 20 years now, I think. Um, a really long time since I was like 23, something like that. And I'm 39, a very long time. Oh, well, I just, you know, you're like a sister to me. We've been through a lot together. Um, I love that you're a mom now. I want to talk about that. I know it was kind of a long journey with a lot of bumps in the road. Um, I, I just, I'm so glad that you made the decision (laughs) and, you know, tell me how your life is now. Well, I probably, I don't know if I not would not have kids without you, but you were definitely someone who helped me through so much of the process. I have been very open. I had two miscarriages. I 
had, you know, a lot of just like stress and trauma. I was working at the view at the time when I first got pregnant and it was just to put it nicely, not an environment that I think it's like healthy to be pregnant in. And I was really scared and freaked out. I didn't think I could do it. I think I was told um, a lie, which is interesting because I actually just have been reading and seeing a lot of things on social media about this very concept that like my generation specifically, like older millennials were sold like a sex in the city feminist lie that like having kids would hurt your life. It would ruin your life. It's like gross. You should just always focus on your career, never love in marriage. And, you know, I think it's so important to have mentors like you who, you know, you said to me, like you need, I remember specifically you told me you need to treat your fertility like you do your career, like as seriously as you do your career, because it is something to be taken seriously. And that's such valuable, important information for young women who I think, you know, unfortunately there are, I think there is a lot of lies and misinformation that we just have time forever and that every we're always going to be you know have as easy time having children when we're 35 is when we're 25 and you know I don't make the rules of nature they're just things that happen as women get older and I wish I had started sooner I wish that I had had more children um you know it's like probably the biggest regret of my life I mean maybe I will still be able to have more I have no idea but I love being a mom it's my favorite thing in the entire world but you know, as you know, and you told me it totally changes everything. You know, nothing is ever about me anymore. My whole life from the second I wake up in the morning till I go to sleep at night is dedicated to my girls and their well-being and their happiness and their life. And, you know, that's a big transition for someone who, um, you know, I didn't have a child till I was 30, 35. So, you know, you, it's a big change. So it's been a little bit of an adjustment, but it's been wonderful. Mm -hmm. How has Ben as a dad? He's the best. I mean, I couldn't do it without having a partner. I know like you and Sean are partners in parenting too. Um, I I just know me personally, just having like, you know, when we get them up in the morning, it's kind of like, I feel like kind of like we're like tag teaming and it's like, like a pit stop and like a car race where I'm like, okay, brush your teeth, hair, breakfast, like get ready, <laughs> like get ready for school. And he, I'm really a terrible cook and he makes breakfast every morning for everyone. And that's like, it's something that's so small, but it's like so impactful. Yep. I know that sounds like cheesy. And uh, no, he's just wonderful. And he's obsessed with them. And he wears, I got him this t-shirt that says girl dad on it. And he wears it all the time and it makes me laugh. So <laughs> <laughs> do you, you know, I think back on those years that you worked at The View. Um, there were a <laughs> lot of tearful conversations. Um, I feel like there wasn't a host like you ever before or after. Um, you were fearless, but it was a toxic environment. And I'm so glad you're out of there. You know, The View is something that I aspired to when I was starting out as a as a young um, wanting to go to journalism school and, and be on television. And I looked at Barbara Walters as sort of a, a role model. And, you know, early in the days when that show was on, they did incorporate all sorts of views. It wasn't as political. It was a place you could go where you could kind of like, you know, take take an hour and breathe again and, and have fun and sort of giggle and, and see what these women were up to. But now it is just so, I, I can't watch it. I would watch it when you were on. Um, because you did offer a different perspective. Um, you know, you had to go into the lion's den to basically talk about what you, your political views, what they were. Um, is it hard to look back on that or have you just moved on and closed the door? 
Um, you know, I mean, you know better than anybody, because again, you are like my big sister. And she, I mean, for your listeners, like Janice was like really important. I mean, you, you obviously are always important to me, but in that time when I felt like I was just like losing my mind and having a really hard time emotionally, and again, impacted with the fact that like my dad was dying of brain cancer, I was having fertility issues. Like there was just a lot happening in my life as well as going into this work environment that just felt really hostile. Um, you know, I called you many times after the show crying, you met me for lunch, what feels like thousands of times. So like, I'm so grateful to you forever for, you know, all of the friendship you've given me for so many years. So thank you. And all women should have women like Janice in their lives, 100%. And do I watch it? I don't watch it. I've really tried to close the door and move on as much as I possibly can. But the hardest part for me about The View is that it has felt like, and I know this sounds dramatic, but it really has felt kind of like leaving a cult in the sense that like when you leave, I am just trashed all the time by people who work there. It just happened a few days ago. It literally happened like a week ago. Um, a co-host uh, that I used to work with said something nasty on their podcast with another guest about me. And it's like my my perspective that this was not a healthy place. It was not something I'm particularly proud of. It's completely negated. And now I have like a whole show apparently for the rest of my life that's going to publicly trash me. Mm. And had I known that when I signed my contract, I, I just don't think I would have done it because this isn't just about me and my life anymore. I have two children. And I honestly, Janice, like I am petrified of the day. I'm going to have to explain to my girls why there are like old women in the world out there just trashing me like all the time and like have to explain to them, well, mommy was conservative and she like had very tough opinions and she didn't go into an environment to be loved. She went in there to speak for people who don't have a voice in the middle of the country. And as a result, you're going to read weird stuff about me forever. And I just wish it would end, but I don't know if it will. And I, I hate it. Mm. I really hate it. You know, as you're telling me that, and I relive the the moments that were really tough, um, I think about workplaces that, you know, you go to HR and you complain uh, if someone is being hostile towards you or saying inappropriate things or making fun of you for whatever reason. I mean, that it makes me really angry that that wasn't those people weren't taken aside and saying said hey you know what we need to make this a better work environment for people and you trashing someone while they're a part of your team is is not right and it really should be a breach of contract the part that i don't understand for me when i look back on it is the in the first 10 days that i worked on the show 10 days there was a story leaked to the Daily Mail that said that I was an ice princess and my nickname was Elsa backstage and everybody hated me because I was such an ice queen. And again, 10 days at a new environment, not just a new environment, but like a major television show. And part of what made me so crazy when I went there, when I had such a hard time was that I couldn't do anything without there being gossip leaked to journalists. And like, I mean, easily 60% of it, if not 70% of it was lies, or it was like, there was some basis of truth that was that turned into a lie. And everything was just that, you know, I'm awful. I'm a maniac. I'm a crazy person. At the same time, you know, the show was like very successful when I was on, won an Emmy and was on the cover of magazines and all these things. And I just didn't understand why, um, 
the leaking to press didn't didn't end. And the second I'm gone, I haven't seen anything about anybody anywhere. Mm. So it clearly was something that was like specific to me and designed to hurt me. And the only thing that I pray right now is that any women anywhere at, at Fox, at ABC, at any network, I just hope that I am the last. I don't want any woman to go through what I went through anywhere. And I think you probably feel the same way with some of the things you've experienced in your career. I just want it to be better for the next woman coming up because I, you know, Ben and I have talked about this. It's it's hilarious because my daughter, like with my daughters, I'm like, they can do anything they want in the world except this. I do not want them to go into political media. I do not want them to be commentators because I don't want them to have to be, you know, uh, like abused in the press for being who they are. And like, you know, I look back on like, I'm almost 40, I'm 39. And, you know, I look back on like one of the reasons my career originally like started getting a lot of attention in the first place was because, you know, a very famous host called me fat. Um, and it's like, I was 23. I mean, I was like very young and it's like, these are things that are not done now that were done when I was younger and I'm not bitter and I'm not upset. I just would like, us to take our battle wounds, like people like you and me, Janice, and make sure that women coming up just have it different because it's not fair and it's not right. And it's not what should be the trade-off for having a strong voice in, in politics. Don't go anywhere. We'll have more of the Janice Dean podcast right after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, and it bothered me because a couple of those hosts that we we are alluding to came to your father's funeral and <laughs> just left such a, a a bad taste in my mouth is a is a weird phrase, but it it did. It, it made me mad because they were mean to you and I thought to myself, you don't deserve to be here. You know, you were mean to this I man's daughter. Them. I did invite them for whatever it's worth. I just out of like, you know, being cordial. I did invite them. So it wasn't like they just showed up. I know, but still, this was still, you know, this was going on when your dad was sick and after your dad died. And I I don't know, I just saw them in the corner, the two of them. I won't, I won't name them, (laughs) but it made me upset because there you were your worst day of your life. You're up there talking about this wonderful man and what he means to you. And these mean girls were there. And I, you know, it wasn't the time or place, but I really wanted to say something to them. <laughs> and I still I still want to, but I think it's the best is to just move on. And I feel like you're in such a better place now. And listen, we've all gone through places where someone's been mean to us or it's been an environment that we haven't thrived in. And I left that environment and came to a place where I felt good about myself and the people around me. We're always going to work with people, that, some of them that we don't get along with, but um, you're right. And it probably made me a better person in that I want to be somebody that someone can talk to if they're in that kind of situation. And I think you're the same. You know, I feel like for me, and I'm sure you feel this way too, like I know exactly what my life would have looked like 
if I had just sort of mellowed, uh, been more liberal, been more moderate, been like, you know what? I don't think Biden looks like he's, you know, encompassmentous and not cogent right now. Like if I could just lie a lot, I would have like the best career. I would probably be like, I don't know, hosting something really huge because a lot of people in the country really respond to, and this is not a knock against people who are like this, but just like calm, you know, inoffensive women with really quiet voices who just don't really want to rock the boat. Like, and that's great if that's your life and your career. I'm a fire breather and like I am a truth teller and I mean what I say and I say what I mean. And as a result, it has done amazing things in my life and it has, I has, you know, it cost me some things as well. But I'm so happy right now. I actually wish I could like get in a time machine and tell myself like, you know, when my dad was dying, like things are going to get way better and you're going to be happy again. You're going to find it. It's just, I'm someone who's had to like fight for happiness. It has not come easily or naturally to me in the sense that like, I've just been through a lot the past, in my thirties. And I really had to get to a place where like, I found the right man. I having children really was the thing that like, you know, I, I always say like life was in black and white and then it turned into like color and mm. like the wizard was when I had kids. And, you know, my, I love the work that I do. I love being, I host a podcast too. I'm launching something new in the new year. Um, I love the stuff I get to do right now. And, you know, I, I have no regrets about anything, but my thing is I just like you, I just don't want women to have to go through the crap I went through. I just, in in any, it's not just like at one specific show, it's like in general, like the hazing from the media, the misogyny, the, you know, and it's so funny, all uh, women of basically like 35 and older, I don't know one woman in media who doesn't have a, have a battle scar Mm. uh, in one way or the other. And I think we all just want the environment to change. Mm -hmm. I agree. You think about your dad every day. I know his loss was so tough on you because he was your everything. Um, what do you what do you think about when you think about him now? I do think about him every day. Um, I also, uh, you know, every night when I say prayers at Liberty, um, we say like, you know, thank you. We like say thank you for what we want. And then we pray and we always pray to grandpa in heaven. And I don't even know if she like processes that or what that means. And then when I pray at night, I pray to him too. And I feel, you know, grief is hard. No one ever really gets over it. It never really goes away. I always feel like it's just this like wounds that you learn to live with and the holidays make it way worse. I'm not going to lie. Like Christmas time, it's way hard without him, but I'm in a much better place. You know, I understand that like death is a part of life and he's in, I believe that he is in heaven and I will see him again someday. And, um, you know, I honestly think that like my children are my gifts from him. And I, I love, you know, it's, it's so hard. I mean, you've experienced tragedy as well. I mean, you lost both of your in-laws in a very short time of each other. It's just, you know, tragedy is a part of life, but yeah, I think about him every day, every Mm. single day. What do you think he would think of this political environment right now? Oh my gosh. I think if regarding Israel, he would like literally have lit himself on fire. Yeah, on the Senate your dad was, so, I mean, he was, his best friend was uh, Jewish and it was, yes. you know, he had been to Israel many times. So this would make his head spin. Yes. I think he'd be really sad because just because America is so polarized and so, you know, we're so 
angry. And it's a very, I know for me, it's just a very stressful and chaotic time. And I think about things. And again, I don't know if it's like sort of the chicken or the egg. I don't know if it's like I'm getting older or that like the world is becoming like, it seems just like a much more scary place. But I think about things in a totally different way than I used to, like even which cities I would be comfortable living in. I've been offered jobs to move to Los Angeles and it was a deal breaker because I just don't, want to live in Los Angeles. A, I just don't think it's safe. B, culturally, it's not something that would be good for me or my family. Like, you know, and that's something that net, like five or 10 years ago, I would have been like, oh, great, LA, like whatever. So, um, you know, I don't know where I'm going with that other than just like the world has changed so much. And I think the, the politics, it's so funny. I interviewed a real housewife on my podcast a few days ago and she said, politics scares me now. Mm. And I think that's a very intense feeling that I think a lot of people feel. I, I agree. Feel. I totally agree. I, I don't know what to make of it. You know, we just talked earlier about getting into politics, but how do you get into something that's so completely toxic? Um, you wonder if people are running for the right reasons. You wa- wonder why they're doing it, how they're making millions of dollars on the side. You know, there's so much corruption and it's tough, but maybe we have to go through something like this, Megan, to you know, rebuild again. I'm not sure. You blow something up to like rebuild again. I, for me, I just would love to not, I I want someone to become president who actively uses email. Like I just need a more modern president. I can't have these, you know, I know there's probably a lot of Trump supporters that listen to your show, but I just don't think it's holistically healthy for the country to have these octogenarians, uh, you know, running everything. And I just want someone with a hopeful message. Mm. And like, I'm not a, you know, I'm not like a daisy here. I'm not, you know, I'm very realistic about the world we're living in, but just something that's not like, you know, Biden's messaging is like, Republicans can go to hell and they're all MAGA extremists. And Trump's messaging is, you know, also very, he's saying he's going to be a dictator and take out his enemies. And we already know, you know, how chaotic his, uh, his administration was, even if you are a fan. And I just, you know, I think it's why I was, I still am such a fan of DeSantis and Nikki Haley. Like I would happily and easily vote for either of those people. And I would have voted for Tim Scott. Like I thought there was like a great field this time. Um, basically the only person I wouldn't vote for is the VEC. And I just, you know, it makes me sad that it's looking like it, that I'm not going to get the opportunity to vote for those people. Mm. Someone told me on your podcast, they listened to your interview with George Santos and you actually made him sound like a really likable guy. I've never, I, I, you know, I saw him in the green room one time and I never really had a discussion with him, but you know, why do you like to interview people? I, I'm sure he, I don't know who he is, but I just know all of the bad things that have happened, but you tell me, what was it like interviewing him? So it's so funny. He came on my podcast. Um, his We had our booker reach out to his office and his press person um, was like, didn't know who I was because she's really young. She was like 22 or something. And then he she passed along to him and he was like a fan of mine, which is hilarious. And I look, I know he's like, you know, he's all these horrible allegations against him, but he was pleasant and lovely and charming and we laughed the entire time and i'm fascinated by con artists i'm fascinated by people who you know he lied about his mother dying on 9-11 like that's a really thing did he fess up to that uh yes yes he later said that he and he's lied about like crazy things like about being jewish he's not jewish um you know obviously there's a lot of financial things that i don't know the ins and outs of but um, but he was very like, 
like, what's the right word? He was very charming. Like mm. he was just funny. And I asked him a lot of sort of more serious questions about like a drag queen impersonating him and things like that. And he answered everything. And look, I have to say, I just had another politician on uh, just recently. Wouldn't answer anything. Wouldn't mm. answer one question directly. I hated the interview. It was, I didn't really understand at the end why we even wanted to do it because it was like, why come on a show again? If you're asking me direct questions, I'll give you direct answers, Jana's. And I really appreciated that George Santos answered all my questions. <laughs> Do you th- maybe he just has a personality disorder. Maybe he doesn't realize that he's doing it. What What's your assessment? I, mean, I think, you know, it's in the same way that like, I'm really obsessed with like Elizabeth Holmes and Theranos. Like, yes. I, I really am fascinated by, and it's so funny. I just saw a little video on social media that was a doctor talking about like, there's literally like you have a different brain. If you're a sociopath, like there's things that they can tell on your, on your brain. And again, I don't know anything about this, but I was wondering if like their brains look different because to again, people lie, like politicians lie. This isn't like the great revelation, but to lie about the kind of things you've been lying about. I mean, he got expelled from Congress. It's like, I think it's only happened six times. But, you know, you see he's made $175,000 on Cameo in one week. And it's because he's hilarious. But again, I don't want to be like, don't come to me about like the moral arbitration of this. Like, I'm just here to like comment and like give content. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I can't like tell you why America's okay with liars. Like it's probably started with Bill Clinton and it's just gone from there. But Mm -hmm. I don't know. What do you think of George Santos? You know, I obviously hate that he lied to the American public, but I do see that side of him that he can be very charming and and entertaining, I guess, is the right word for it. Right. I mean, like you said, my gosh, we're we're hooked on Netflix and all of these um these shows that deal with these narcissistic personalities. And there was a reason for that. I would 100% watch a reality show like Big Brother if he was on it or, and honestly, like he probably should have just done that to begin with. Like he's definitely like a personality, like someone who should like host things or whatever. But I, you know, for me, part of it, when I got, I kind of got some for, excuse me, sorry. That's okay. Sorry, I can edit that out. I got some crap for um, having him on my podcast. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to swear on your show. Um, um, But uh, when I had when I had him on, people were like, there's a lot of people who were complaining. And I was like, look, Bob Menendez, Senator Bob Menendez of New Jersey has gold like bars in his house and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars of money that he's allegedly given by Egypt in like exchange for foreign information. Like to me, that's way worse than spending $10,000 on Botox. Like that for me, like if I have to make a choice and like, there's a lot of people with a lot of liars, like a lot of people in Congress who are under investigation for insane things. And I just feel like if we're going to hold the George Santos standard, then like we should hold it to all everyone. Yeah. In Congress. And P.S. We had a governor of New York that put thousands of sick patients into nursing homes. And now we're talking about him, like possibly running for mayor. So exactly. you know what? Be quiet. Yes. Yeah. And I just feel like we can't play. I mean, we can't. I mean, part of I think the reason why people went after him is he was just so public. But I just feel like we can't play like, you know, favorites or or just like pick cherry pick who is like morally corrupt and who isn't. And again, like in this time of like just, you know, all the news is just so intense and so sad and so dark. That man has brought me so much entertainment. 
for in so many different ways. His interviews, like when he was like carrying a baby through the halls of Congress and like screaming at Hamas protesters, like I, I just found him and still find him wildly entertaining. And maybe that makes me a bad person, but I'm being honest. You're not a bad person. I've known you too long. I would know. I would have my bad person radar up. <laughs> Don't go anywhere. We'll have more of the Janice Dean podcast right after this. What are you watching? What are you watching right now? Are you still watching Housewives? What entertains you? I watch all the Housewives. I'm watching Salt Lake City and Beverly Hills right now. I watch. Um, I'm actually watching Fargo on Netflix, and it's fantastic. Um, and speaking of cons, I watched this show called Bad Surgeon on Netflix about this con artist surgeon, and it's fascinating and very tragic. Um, and I really want to see the new. Um, there's like a few new movies that are coming out. Uh, and I really want to see, um, the new, uh, Emma Stone movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, I heard it's very good. I think it's called poor things. And there's a bunch of holiday movies coming out that I can't remember off the top of my head, but I was like, oh, I have to, I have to see these soon. Oh, and I just saw, uh, May, December because I've been sick. That's why I coughed. I saw that too. Did that creep you out? Totally creeped me out. Totally creeped me out. And for people that don't know, it's like based, inspired by the Mary Kay Letourneau yes. uh, story of a teacher sleeping with her young student. And it's creepy and eerie and weird. And I don't even know if I suggest it to people because I didn't like love it. But I didn't it's, either. But it, I did watch it. <laughs> I <laughs> thought at any moment somebody was going to kill somebody because it just had that feeling that somebody was going to die. <laughs> no yeah, one dies. The topic is so gross, you know, it's like, and I have like a sort of memory of that because I was like a little younger, yes. often, but you know, it's very dark and very disturbing and you know, the, you know, but I guess like they did marry Kayla Turno and her husband, I, I apologize, I don't remember her husband's name, I guess they did stay together, but you know, she was a pedophile, it's yeah. disgusting, yeah. so well, look at, I mean, people are watching shows about serial killers and that that's doing very well, you know? So I think as a human being, we're always going to gravitate towards these crazy store, you know, situations. Maybe some of it helps our lives somehow, like we're better prepared or we're, you know, making sure that we have a good security system. <laughs> I don't know. Totally. You know, what's so funny is I watch a lot of apocalypse things now. Like I loved The Last of Us with Pedro Pascal and I love like zombie shows. And I don't know if it's because I always feel like the end of the world is very mm. close. I mean, like, and I know that sounds like dramatic. Well, but, we just went know. through a pandemic for God's sakes. Of course, yeah. you know, like anything could have happened. We were, we were shut in our homes. My, you know, Sean was like washing groceries after he would come home. He was taking off his clothes so he wouldn't, yeah. you know, in the basement. My gosh, we were close to that. Yeah. And I feel like we all collectively, and what I mean, all, I mean, like all of America hasn't really completely like processed the amount of trauma yes. we all went through together with COVID and you like more than anybody. I mean, you have the worst COVID story of anybody I've ever heard of. And I, you know, I, the fact that you're still such a happy warrior and seeing the sunny side of things like your books say, um, is really a testament to your character. Well, listen, we're both optimistic people and we've both been through some pretty tough SH, you know what? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Sometimes I want, we can swear. They'll bleep it out. Okay, good. Bleep it out. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll, wrap, I'll wrap up with what are you guys doing for Christmas? So we are actually, we live in Virginia, right outside Washington, D.C., and we're going to Harper's Ferry, West Virginia. We got a 
Airbnb there um, to go with our family. Um, it's very, I know that there are women out there who are very good at flying with infants. I am not that woman. I find it very hard and stressful and I've done it before and I just find it miserable. And, you know, a six hour flight plus like however many hours you're in the airport or delayed to go to Arizona just felt like too much. Um, so we're just driving and doing that. And then um, for New Year's, I think every year Ben cooks like a big dinner for us. So I think he's going to do that. What about you? We are just going to stay put. We were going to go to Canada, but my mm-hmm. oldest son, Matthew, has wrestling. He loves wrestling. And they really haven't stopped the tournaments or the practices for anybody during the Christmas season. So I just decided to ask my mom to come to us and she's going to do that. And I'm kind of relieved, you know, packing up the family and the dog to go to Canada, which is a 10-hour trip. We have to spend the night somewhere because it's too, too long. Um, the weather can be absolutely horrendous. We did it last year, and we had to go through Buffalo, and there was a huge winter storm. So I'm just grateful I can bring my mom to us, and we're just going to be hanging, hanging out. That's so nice. Are you going to a water park? For people that don't know, Janice has been to every water park in the world <laughs> because your children like water parks so much. You and I would text each other when we would be at the latest water park and you're just like, I will never go to a dirty water park. But I'm really grossed out by water parks. <laughs> but you I won't take know. the girls? Have you not taken them yet? No, it's so funny. Ben and I literally still have this conversation about like what we're going to do when they want to go to a water park because both of us are so grossed out by water parks. So <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do. Maybe just call you and make you take them. <laughs> we're, we're still good with it. I mean, listen, we're still standing. No one's gotten any weird illnesses or fungus. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It's like, you know, but you, know what but you do like a lazy river. I do. I love a lazy river. I'll take them in that all day long. I mean, that's totally fine, but yeah. Are you going to any water parks soon? No, no. You know what? I will say there is kind of an age limit on it. Now that they're older, they don't think of it as much, but man, we went to a lot of water parks. So funny. I feel like you were always at water parks and all your <laughs> Not so this funny. year. Sorry, kids. So Not this year. Maybe next year. Um, Megan McCain, I love you so much. Uh, I want to do this Thank again. You know. I love your podcast, too. It seems like a Thank whole bunch you. of fun. And obviously, you've got more things happening in the new year, which I want to find out about. Um, so, you know, consider this an open invitation. We'll keep doing each other's podcasts. Thank even you so if- much for coming I had so much fun when you came on mine for anyone who wants to hear another conversation. We had such wonderful feedback from so many people too. So oh, thank God. you again. You have the best radio voice too. Oh. Like when you came on, I had been interviewing someone before you. And then when you came on, I was like, oh, Janice is such a pro. Like she just knows how to talk on TV and on <laughs> camera. And it's the best thing ever. It's just, you know how it is. Like when you just, you're like, oh, they know what to do. They're professionals. Oh, well, right back at you. And I can't wait to see you because that's another thing that we talked about is that Megan and I, you know, even though we we watch what we eat, we have to do that. You and I love a good piece of cake or a good steak and some French fries, and we're going to eat the whole thing. I know. I never, I know women, most women in this industry diet forever, and that's totally fine. Everybody can make whatever choice they want. But for me... Like, I'd just rather be a little fat than a little starving. (laughs) And I love food. So I just, you know, and I think as we get older too, like so many fun things have been taken away in the past, you know, five years in so many different ways. And I really still get such enjoyment from a good meal and I don't want to deprive myself. Me too. Me too, sister. You've got that right. 
<laughs> well, here's to the new year. I look forward to seeing you in person. Give those girls a huge hug and kiss for me and your husband, too. And um, I know we're going to see each other real soon. God bless you. Merry Christmas. I love you. God bless you. Merry Christmas. Thank you again to my wonderful friend, Megan McCain, for spending time with us today. And by the way, I was on Megan's podcast a few weeks ago, which you can take a listen to wherever you find your podcasts. It's called Megan McCain Has Entered the Chat, where she gets to the nitty gritty about everything in politics and pop culture. She really is one of a kind, and I am so grateful she came into my family's life. We will definitely have her back on again. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. And don't forget to spread the sunshine. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts.